that's a huge uh, task. My assignment is to talk to you today, share some thoughts on this passage that has been read and, uh, by Jack and Chad and uh, Jamie has spoken about that. I've been asked to do it in 15 to 18 minutes. And so everything you want to know about humility is going to be ha happening in about 15 to 18 minutes. Uh, and I'm going to steal one minute of that time to make a clarification and a recommendation uh, to you all based on the elders' uh, comments last week. First of all, they put out a paper. It sets their philosophy, the direction they want to go. I want to encourage you to read that, think about that, and as they said, share with them uh, any thoughts, any questions that you have. Go to them and do that uh, because that's what they, they want. But I had a question. This is where the qu uh, clarification. Someone said, does that mean you're not the pulpit preacher anymore? And so the, qu the easy answer is, yes, that's what it means. <laughs> and so for the last 15 years, since 2006, uh, the elders, that when I was coming back from Fiji, uh, asked if I'd fill the uh, pulpit each week, planning, preparation, presentation of, of the sermons. And that's been a joy, and at the same time, it's been a burden. It's, it's a heavy load, and this, this uh, lesson today is going to be a heavy load, too. And uh, so I think that officially transitioned. We've been transitioning over the year, but that officially transitioned this past Sunday. And uh, that doesn't mean I'm not going to speak. I'm obviously speaking today. The Assemblies Committee is in charge of, of this work, and they will ask me and others on occasions to uh, speak as they are today. And I hope that makes it just really clear and we can put that behind us and let's go into something more important. Philippians chapter two. I took two minutes, there you go. All right. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a preacher for the Westminster Church in uh, London for several decades in the 20th century. And he went verse by verse through the scriptures. He covered many uh, passages, many books of the Bible. And he was once asked, what is your favorite passage? His answer was, the one I'm currently studying. And that's true for me. I've studied the scripture in depth and gone through lots of passages. And wherever I am at that moment, that's my favorite. And so right now, my favorite passage is Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. And as I read this and thought about this, I had several weeks to do so, I'm, it's, it's, it's an overload. There is so much in this passage that it's, it's going to be difficult for me to share it in a short time. But I'm going to give you a little taste. It's all I can do today. Uh, it left to my own devices, I think we would spend several weeks, maybe several months in these uh, passages, because one of the things I was asked to do, let's see if that's working, is to break down the themes in these 11 verses. And so the themes, as I just read through, this is my first reading through, this is not a study, this is a reading, the themes that I was seeing are things like this, encouragement found in Christ, the Father's friendship and love, the close relationship with the Holy Spirit, the experience of Christ's mercy and compassion how to overflow with joy, how to be united with, without mindless uniformity, the goal of the Christian life, and that's just one and a half verses. Here's the rest, all right? There's like at least 25 themes or thoughts, and I'm not even going to read those. 
If you want them, ask the AV team, they'll send them on to you. But there's so many things that we could explore. In fact, I believe the entire gospel can be preached from these 11 verses. We can take these, and of course, they will springboard us into the other passages of the Bible. But the entire gospel can be preached in these 11 verses. The four questions I was asked is to answer four questions or deal with four questions. And I'm not even going to read the four questions. But they all center in what Jack talked about and what Chad talked about, humility. And so what I want to do is answer these four questions by examining that word humility and seeing if we can learn something from these, uh, this word today. And the first thing I ask is, is it humility or humiliation? We use them sometimes, we use these words as synonyms sometimes. We use them the same sometimes. But they are really two different words. If you look it up in the English dictionary, they're, they're used in uh, different ways. And in the first century, when Paul wrote this letter, he used this word humility, and it was not a word that was well-received with the people of his day. It wasn't a trait that people said, yes, I mean, Jamie just prayed that we would, we would grow in our humility. Uh, Chad said it, Jack said it. They all said, let's grow in our humility. We need to be this. In the first century, this was not something that people would say, yes, this is what I want to be. I want to be a humble person. Because the word humility meant weak, it meant groveling, it meant obsequious, a pushover, uh, it may, meant all the things that we don't desire. For a man to be humble, it meant in a marriage, he's a henpecked person. That's a humble husband. And so is that what we strive to be, henpecked or effeminate or a woman to be subservient or to be cowed? And in many ways today, that word... It means the same. This is not a word that the world says, oh, yes, let's be humble. humble uh, humility is a great thing. And so it's vital, it's really important that we define this word the way God defines the word. And if we don't, we'll be striving to be something that's not humble. Uh, in other words, a counterfeit humility would be imitating a counterfeit Christ and living a counterfeit Christianity. If we don't define this word right, we're going to be the wrong Christ. We're going to be the wrong kind of humble. Humility is manly. It is not weak. Humility for a woman is shining out in queenly, feminine grace. It's the life of Christ in a person shining out of them. We are not called to be the Eeyores of life. Eeyore of Winnie the Pooh who just w walked around moaning and, and uh, the plight of the world is so bad and everything's so terrible and, you know, you can just walk over me. It's not, it's not that kind of... We're not called to be Eeyore. We're called to be Jesus. And so we need to look at this word humili uh, humili humi humility. Humiliation. If you look in a definition, is shame disgrace, mortification, embarrassment, dishonor. Humility is meekness, unpretentiousness, 
simplicity, sincerity, and many other ways. We really don't even have the time to totally define this word, but humility, basic, humiliation basically is this. It centers in yourself. Humiliation centers in me. Humility centers in God. That's the basic difference. And so I want to look at this seeing humility. Humility, this is my definition. Humility is seeing life through the eyes of Jesus. And thus, you're living life as Christ would live life. So really, this word humility centers in who Christ is and how he lived. And so the question I ask myself, is humility something I pursue or is it something I am? Am I pursuing humility, or is that me? Or another way to ask this, was Jesus always humble, or was he just sometimes humble? Is it something that he did? He was humble sometimes, and sometimes he wasn't humble. Or was he humble? Was he loved sometimes, and sometimes he wasn't loved? And it's really important to, to think about this and understand it because Jesus said, I am meek and humble in heart. I am. This is what I am. If you're interested in the word, it's present indicative active. It means he is all the time this. He is always humble. Not just sometimes. He's not something he puts on and puts off. And so my quick answer is this. This is who he was. It wasn't something he turned on and turned off. He was, this was his character. Humility was his character. Jesus was humble all the time. Now, when you think about that, we think about his nice things. But Jesus was humble when he corrected Nicodemus, someone who was his, quote, superior, and he said, you don't know what you're talking about. Jesus was humble when he sat down with a Samaritan woman and said, yeah, you're, you're basically said you're living in sin. You've been married and divorced five times and the person you're living with isn't even your husband. Jesus was humble when he said that. He was humble when he fed 5,000 people. And he was humble the next day when the 5,000 came for a second meal and he said, no, I'm not going to feed you. He was humble when he said, yes, I'll feed you. And he said, he was humble when he said, no, I won't feed you. He was humble when he rebuked the Pharisees and called them a bunch of snakes. See, in our mind, that's not humility. But Jesus was always humble because he was God-centered. He wasn't speaking out of himself. He was speaking out of God-centeredness. That's why he could do these things, because he's correcting them and teaching them and helping them based on who he is in God. Paul, in this letter, Philippians, uh, David, I think, mentioned that the very first. He was in Philippi. He was beaten with Silas. And he was humble when he did that. And the next day, when they let him go, he said, we're not leaving until the, until the leaders of the, church, of the city, until the mayor and the leaders of the city come out here and issue a public apology. That was humility. You see, humility isn't always nice. It isn't always sweet. It's something deeper than that. It is something that is rooted in your character in Christ. It's a, life learning, a lifelong learning process. 
And it has more to do how you are looking at life through the eyes of Jesus than it has in doing, making some outward change, some superficial outward change. So someone says something to me and I just bow down. Oh, yes, I'm humble. No, you're not. You're acting like you're humble. Humility is living out the life of Christ as he calls you to live in that moment. What is that moment? It is depending on the Lord rather than depending on yourself. It is being God-reliant instead of self-reliant. It's living out God and living a Christ-centered life rather than living in myself. What do I want? Just what does Christ want? What does God call me to do in this moment right now? The best way to pursue humility is not to pursue it. You see, when we pursue humility, we're, we're pursuing, pursuing a form of humility. About the time that you think that you've arrived and you're humble, you've lost your humility. <laughs> you see, you're so prideful that you, now I'm humble. So I get up here and say, I'm such a humble person. And everyone's going, no, you're not. You, just said, you can't say it and be it. All right? Humility is not to pursue it. The best way to pursue humility is to pursue Christ. When you pursue Christ, and when you grow in him, when you learn to live out the life of Christ, that's when you learn humility. You learn to speak as he spoke. You learn to think as he thought. You learn to confront as he confronted. You learn to debate as he debated. You learn to work as he worked. In essence, you live as he lived. And if you live as he lived, you will achieve humility and you'll achieve love and every character, characteristic of Jesus. Because it's something that the Holy Spirit transforms you into as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Not just growing in the mind knowledge, but growing in the heart knowledge. It's growing in the full knowledge of really knowing him. You cannot be humble if you're not pursuing Jesus. You cannot be humble if you're not in God's word studying the person of Jesus. You are not going to learn how to be humble or any of his other characteristics unless we're striving to grow in the likeness of Jesus, not striving, but allowing the Spirit to transform our lives to be like him. My friend Tim, who's in Texas, once started a social media company uh, for Christians. At one point he had, I, he told me at one point, over 20,000, I don't know the number, he had a lot of people, Christians in, involved in this social media. And when you signed up, the first person, the first friend you got was called X. It was Jesus. That was your first friend. And so you could communicate with Jesus, and every day he would send out a message right from the scriptures, every day. And he said uh, the, you could private message him. So one day he's doing some work on the computer, and he noticed these private messages, and he began reading a few of them, and he was astonished at the depth of depravity that Christians were confessing 
to Jesus. And he read one, two, three, and he's read that he said, my goodness, people are just dumping their souls out to this Jesus on their friend. And he turned to his, the guy who wrote code and said, you need to write a code that no one can ever see this, not even us, not even us who own this, only the ones who private message, because they are saying things, they're, low, they're just emptying their hearts to Jesus. Humility includes seeing the horrors of sin in people's lives and responding as Jesus was respond. It isn't nice. Your hands get dirty. It's a horrible thing sometimes. It will make you sick dealing with the depravity in people's lives, but that's what Jesus did when he came to this earth and died for us. We begin to see the eye, life through the eyes of Jesus. We see sin through the eyes of Jesus, and we respond in the life of Jesus. One of the hardest things I did this past two weeks was paraphrase, write my translation paraphrase. This is a really tough passage. One commentator said it's the most difficult passage to translate in the entire book of Philippians, and I agree. And part of the reason is because it's poet, uh, poetry, it's a hymn. And so how do you, how do you translate the, the, um, uh, the uh, concepts of poetry? It's very, very difficult. And some of the words are just used one time in the entire Bible, so it's a really difficult passage. But here, here's my first attempt, and it may help us sum up the whole thing. Therefore, if, and you know this is true, you receive Christ's close aid in the court of heaven, if, and it is certain, there is the soothing uh, consolation of love, if, and indeed there is, fellowship and communion in the spirit, if, and you have experienced this, affectionate sympathy and mercy from God, then make my joy cup overflow, that your hearts and minds are harmonious and understanding, possessing the same love, being one-souled, having the same focus. Don't invest your day-to-day -day living in self or in cheap pride, but rather wrap yourselves up in a Lord-centered life, having the opinion toward others that lift them to a higher plane. Don't place all your attention on your things, but consider life from others' viewpoints. Allow your heart and mind to be aligned with the same heart and mind that was in Christ Jesus, who, while his essence was ever-existing God, he did not think to desperately grasp as to remain an equal with God. Instead, he laid down, he laid aside that God essence and replaced it with man essence, representing God in the form of a slave. And having been found in the cloak of a man, he dismissed his own needs and threw himself in fully with God, submitting to the point of death, even the torturous cross execution of a criminal. Because of this, God lifted him up above and beyond all others to the highest place. He, the person and the character superlative. This was done for the purpose that in marveling at the person of Jesus, everyone on earth 
and in heaven and even under the earth will drop down in worship. And in every language they will cry in full consent, Jesus the Christ is the absolute master to the splendor and infinite worth of God. May God bless us in our pursuit of Christ. Thank you, Alvin, for that. We appreciate that and humility. You know, I think of this uh, thing called humility as two people that usually come to mind. My father and this guy by the name of Steve Sykes that I worked with up in, uh, uh, when I was in Bloomington, Indiana, the pulpit minister there. Uh, two most humble men I've ever seen in my life, and I'm going to tell you all why. When I was a boy, about uh, six years old, one of my neighbor's uh, husband passed away of a stroke. And my neighbor had 11, had eight children. And my dad, uh, knowing that, you know, uh, McKinley used to plant a garden for his family like most poor people in my community did. And it was right at the beginning of that season. My dad got up before he went to work and he went and plowed that, gar that, that garden for them. Uh, my dad, nobody knew because it was early in the morning when he did it. Nobody knew that my dad did it. Another guy got credit for it, which made me angry. Uh, but uh, my father was that type of person, most humble man I, I've ever met. He had his problems, but one thing that, that, um, that my father, I can remember with, 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 with dad, dad was that, that guy. Steve Sykes is because uh, he's, I told him I worked with the prideful preacher the arrogant preacher, but I never worked with a humble preacher before. Uh, Steve was the type of guy that you wouldn't know how smart he was. He had a doctor's degree, he had a master's degree in, in family marriage counseling, very uh, smart, intelligent guy, but he was always learning. And it showed through his, his heart. Uh, a young man was going through problems, uh, and I saw this man just, just cry uh, in prayer for this guy. And uh, he would just do things that, that show Christ and exemplify Christ in me than any person I ever, ever, ever did see other than my dad was, was, was this guy. And I told him, I said, I don't know how to operate around you. I don't know if you're sincere. Because he, he comes across this way and you say, yeah, like I would say, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? But he was, he was that way. He's that dude. He's that guy all the time. And I appreciate him so much. I'm not Daniel Alive, as y'all can tell. As y'all can tell. Uh, but what we want to do is we got a reflection sheet that's out that's out in the lobby. And for your small groups and for your families this week, we want you to go over the questions that we have down on this on, on the sheet to help guide you and father thinking about humility. I'm not gonna. Uh, I hate for people to repeat something that I can read. Okay, y'all can read this stuff. I'm not going to do that, but I want to encourage your life talks. I want to encourage your small groups, your other small groups, your family units, maybe your husband and wife. Did y'all go over these this week and think about it? One of the main questions that Daniel had, had on here <clears throat> that we was looking at this week is, is the question, too, in what area of your life is the most difficult to practice humility? What area in your life is the most difficult to practice, to practice humility? What would, it, what would it look like if you put verses 5 in Philippians 5 into practice daily? In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ. 
What does that look like? Uh, we're trying to, in this series, we're trying to get you to grow closer to Christ, but grow closer to understanding what Christ is all about. As Alan said in his sermon, um, is, is Jesus say, this is who I am. He's quoted one of my favorite scriptures in Matthew chapter 11. I say, you know, this is who I am. And so this is who we should be. So I want to encourage you guys to continue to do that this week. God bless you. Thanks, Alan. Uh, that is quite a challenge to get